Chapters fifty one to fifty four of Dulcibel by Henry Peterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fifty one. Master Raymond's next proceeding was to call on Lady Phipps, sending in his name with a request to see her ladyship on very important business. He was ushered as usual into her boudoir. I must be doing something, Lady Mary he said after a few words relative to the evident change of weather i have news from salem that the magistrates are about to send mistress dulcibel back to salem jail that is sad she answered and besides there is no knowing what new proceedings they may be concocting against me i must take sir william's advice and get out of this hornet's nest as soon as possible well what can i do for you get an order from sir willip releasing dulcibel from prison oh that i could god knows how gladly i would do it you can at least try said master raymond desperately the lady hesitated a moment yes as you say i can at least try but you know how impossible it is to carry on the government of this province without the support of the ministers and the magistrates sir william is naturally anxious to succeed for if he fails here it will block his road to further preferment and he will allow the shedding of innocent blood to go on in order to promote his own selfish ambition said the young man indignantly you are unjust to the governor he will do all he can to moderate this phantasm and if it comes to the worst he will order a general jail delivery and meet the consequences but he hopes much from time and from such developments as those of your chicken feathers and the lady smiled at the thought of the minister's discomfiture some things can wait but i cannot wait insisted master raymond you must acknowledge that sir william starts this afternoon on a visit to plymouth to remain for a day or so but i will have a talk with him and see what i can do replied the lady call here again at six o'clock this evening such beauty and spirit as yours must be irresistible in the cause of virtue and innocence said the young man rising to depart no flattery master raymond i will do all i can without that but lady mary being still a very comely woman as she certainly was a very spirited one was not much displeased at the compliment coming from such a handsome young man as master raymond eulogy that the hearer hopes embodies but the simple truth is always pleasant alike to men and women it is falsehood and not truth that constitutes the essence of flattery the day dragged on very drearily and slowly to master raymond the waiting for the hour of action is so irksome that even the approach of danger is a relief the patients will at least weary out the slowest hours and punctually at six o'clock the young man stood again at the door of the governor's mansion lady mary evidently was expecting him for he was shown in at once she looked up wearily as he entered i can do nothing to-day she said what ground did the governor take that sound policy forbade him to move in the matter at present the persecuting party were very indignant at the escape of captain alden 
and the Englishes, and now for him to grant a pardon to another of the accused would be to irritate them to madness. Master Raymond acknowledged to himself the soundness of the governor's policy, but he only said, Then it seems that Dulcibel must go back to Salem prison, and I run a good chance of going to prison also, as a self-confessed deceiver and impostor. If she were released, could you both get away from Boston at once? Master Raymond's voice sank to a whisper. I have all my plans arranged. By the third hour after midnight, we should be where we can snap our fingers at the magistrates of Boston. I have been thinking of a plan. It may work, or it may not, but it is worth trying. The young man's face lightened. You know that England is ruled by William and Mary. Why should not the province of Massachusetts also be? I do not understand you. Upon leaving Sir William, I was somewhat indignant that he would not grant my request, and to pacify me, he said he was sorry that I had not the same share in the government here that Queen Mary had at home, and then I could do more as I pleased. Still, Master Raymond's face showed that he was puzzled to catch her meaning. She laughed and rose from her chair. The old resolute expression upon her spirited face and opening the door into the next room, which was the governor's private office, she said, Come here a moment, Master Jocelyn. The private secretary entered. Prepare me, she said to the secretary, the proper paper to be signed by the governor, ordering Keeper Arnold to release at once Mistress Dulcibel Burton from confinement in the Boston Bridewell. But the governor, you know, is absent, Lady Mary, said the secretary and his signature will be necessary. Oh, I will see to that, replied the lady a little haughtily. Master Raymond sat quietly, waiting for what was to come next. He could not conceive how Lady Mary intended to manage it. As for the lady, she tapped the table with her sharply fingers impatiently. In a few minutes, Master Joslyn reappeared with the paper. All it was now was the signature of the governor, he said. The lady took up a pen from the table by which she was sitting, and filled it with ink. Then with a firm hand she signed the paper, William Phipps, Governor, by Lady Mary Phipps. But your ladyship, the keeper will not acknowledge the validity of that signature or obey it, said Master Joslyn in some alarm. He will not? We shall see, responded her ladyship rising. Order my carriage, Master Joslyn. In fifteen minutes, Lady Mary, accompanied by Master Raymond, was at Keeper Arnold's house. I bring you good news, Master Arnold, said Lady Mary. I know you will rejoice such a tender-hearted man as you are at the release of Mistress Dulcibel Burton. Here is the official document. She flourished it at him, but still kept it in her hand. Dulcibel was soon informed of the good news, and came flying out to meet her benefactor and her lover. Put on a shawl and your veil at once, and make a bundle of your belongings, said Lady Mary, kissing her. Master Raymond is in a great hurry to carry you off, at which I confess that I do not wonder. Dulcibel tripped off. The sooner she was out of that close place, the better. "'Well, what is it, Master Arnold?' said Lady Mary to the keeper, 
who acted as if he wished to say something it is only a form my lady but you have not shown me the governor's warrant yet why yes i have said lady mary fluttering it at him as before but keeper arnold was fully aware of the responsibility of his position and putting out his hand he studied the fluttering paper sufficiently to glance over its contents when he came to the signature his face paled pardon me my lady but this is not the governor's writing of course it is not why you silly loon how could it be when he has gone to plymouth but you will perceive that it is in master joslyn's writing and the governor ought to have signed it before he started this is hardly a regular form my lady it is not do you not see the governor's name and there below it is my name as proof of the governor's do you mean to impeach my assertion of sir william's signature there is my name lady mary phipps and i will take the responsibility of this paper being a legal one if anybody finds fault with you send him to me and i will say you did it in the governor's absence from town at my peremptory order the lady's face glowed and her eyes flashed with her excitement and determination it would be as much as is my position is worth to disobey it and me rejoined lady mary i will have you out of this place in three days times if you cast disrespect upon my written name there can be no great haste in this matter bring the release to-morrow and i will consult authority in the meanwhile said the keeper pleadingly authority the governor's name is authority i am authority who dare you set up besides us you forget your proper respect and duty master arnold the keeper was overborne at last you will uphold me if i do this thing lady mary said he imploringly you know me master arnold and that i never desert my friends i shall accept the full responsibility of this deed before sir william and the magistrates and they cannot order any punishment which he cannot pardon by this time it had grown quite dark shall i take you anywhere in my carriage said lady mary as dulcibel reappeared with a bundle it is not necessary replied master raymond joyfully i will not compromise you any further god forever bless your ladyship there is not another woman in new england with the spirit and courage to do what you have done this day and the reader of our history a hundred years to come as he reads this page shall cry fervently god bless the fearless and generous soul of lady mary let me know when you are safe she whispered to the young man as he stood by her carriage master and mistress english are now the guests of governor fletcher of new york changing a boston prison for a governor's mansion you will be perfectly secure in that province or in pennsylvania or maryland or virginia and the carriage drove off it was in that early afternoon of the evening when the streets in town and city are more deserted than they are for some hours afterwards everyone being indoors and not come out for visiting or amusement and so the young man and his companion walked towards the northern estate of part of the town meeting only one or two persons who took no special notice of them you do not ask where we are going dulcibel at last said master raymond she could not see the sweet smile on his face but she could feel it in his voice 
anywhere with you the maiden replied in a low tone we are going to be married he felt the pressure of her hand upon his arm in response that is if we can find a minister to perform the ceremony that will be difficult i should think yes difficult but not impossible after getting you out of prison as lady mary did i should not like to call anything impossible lady mary is an angel yes one of the kind with wings replied her companion laughing she has kindly loaned us her wings though and we are flying away on them before long they were at one of the wharfs then on a small boat then on the deck of the storm king i am better than my word captain tolly ay indeed you are and this is the birdie fair mistress the storm king and his brood are ready to die to shield you from harm dulcibel looked wonder out of her clear blue eyes what did it all mean she smiled at the captain's devoted speech i do not want any one to die for me captain i would rather have you sing me a good sea-song such as my father who is also a sea-captain used to delight me with at home oh we can do that too answered the captain gaily i hope we shall have a jolly time of it before we reach our destination now come down into the cabin and see the preparations i have made for you a sailor's daughter must have the best of sailor's cheer one word captain said master raymond as the captain came up on deck again leaving dulcibel to the privacy of her state-room it does not seem fitting that a young unmarried woman should be alone on a vessel like this with no matron to bear her company sir said the captain i would have you know that the maiden is as safe from aught that could offend her modesty on the decks of the storm king as if she were in her father's house of course she is i know that well and mean not the least offence and she innocent as she is has no other thought but this is a slanderous world captain and we men know who the world must think of her oh i admit that said captain tolly somewhat mollified we cannot expect of mere land people who put an innocent girl like that into prison for no offence their gentle behaviour towards a woman that comes naturally from a seaman but what do you propose to send for one of the boston ministers and marry her before we leave port why of course replied the captain it is the very thing who shall we send for the north church is nearest how would master cotton mather do the young man stood thoughtfully silent for a moment or two the ministers of south church and of king's chapel were more heterodox in all this witchcraft business but for that very reason he did not wish to compromise them in any way besides he owed a grudge to master mather for his general course in sustaining the persecution and his recent language in particular towards himself so his lips gradually settled into a stern determination and he replied master mather is the very man it may require a little ingenuity to get him abroad at this time of the evening said the captain but i reckon my first mate simmons can do it if any one can here simmons to the first mate who was standing near you look like a pillar of the church go ashore and bring off master cotton mather with you a wealthy young englishman is dying and he cannot pass away from boston in peace without his ministerial services dying ejaculated master raymond 
yes dying dying to get married and you cannot pass out of boston harbour in peace without his minister's services would it do not as well to ask him to come and marry us i doubt it replied the captain master mather is honest in his faith even if he is bigoted and superstitious and death cannot be put off like marriage till to-morrow but take your own course simmons only bring him shall i use force sir if he will not come peaceably asked the mate coolly not if it will make a disturbance said his commander we do not want to run the gauntlet of the castle's guns as we go out of the harbour the wind is hardly lively enough for that i will go down and tell dulcibel said master raymond it is rather sudden but she is a maiden of great good sense and will see clearly the necessity of the case and as she is an orphan she has no father or mother whose consent she might consider necessary but mate going to the side of the vessel which the boat was just leaving not a word as to my name or that of the maiden that would spoil all aye aye sir trust me to bring him and the boat started for the shore under the vigorous strokes of two oarsmen's chapter fifty two not quite an hour had elapsed when the sound of oars was again heard and captain tolly peering through the dark saw that another form was seated opposite the mate in the stern sheets of the boat i thought that simmons would bring him said captain tolly to the second mate such a smooth tongue as he has it is a pity he wasn't a minister himself his genius is half wasted here glad to see you on board the storm king master mather was the greeting of the captain as the minister was helped up to the deck by the mates the storm king why i was told that it was an english frigate just come into port said the minister in a surprised voice the messenger must have made a mistake replied the captain coolly you know that landsmen's always do get things mixed well as i am here no matter show me the dying man walk down into the cabin said the captain politely entering the cabin which was well lighted master raymond stepped forward i am happy to see you master mather you remember me do you not master raymond i believe returned the minister coldly where is the dying man who requires my spiritual ministrations dying laughed the captain how strangely that fellow got things mixed i said dying to get married did i not master raymond of course you did that is after you had explained yourself master mather's face looked blank he did not know what to make of it in truth master mather said the young englishman i was under the necessity of getting married this evening and thinking over the worshipful minister of boston town i singled you out as the one i should prefer to officiate on the happy occasion i decline to have anything to do with it said master mather indignantly turning on his heel and going off to the door of the cabin but here a muscular sailor with a boarding pike promptly forbade his passage by putting the pike across the doorway what do you mean by barring my way in this manner said the minister in great wrath to the captain have you no reverence for the law not a particle for boston law replied captain tolly the only law recognized on board the storm king is the command of its captain you have been brought here to marry these two young friends of mine 
and you will not leave the vessel before you do it if i have to take you with us all the way to china master mather pondered the matter for a moment this is too informal there are certain preliminaries that are necessary in such case advisable but i am told not absolutely necessary replied master raymond wait then for an hour or two and we shall be on a high seas and out of any jurisdiction added captain tolly who is this maiden who gives her away asked the minister this maiden is mistress dulcibel burton said master raymond taking her by the hand she is an orphan but i give her away added the captain dulcibel burton the serpent witch exclaimed master mather what is that convict doing here has she broken jail master mather said the captain in an excited tone if you utter another word of insult against this innocent and beautiful maiden i will have you flung overboard to the sharks so take care of what you say and the indignant seaman shook his finger in the minister's face warningly master mather added raymond more coolly mistress burton has not broken jail she was duly released from custody by keeper arnold on the presentation of an official paper by lady mary phipps therefore your conscience need not be uneasy on that score why are you here then why making this haste it is evident that there is something wrong about it boston has not treated either of us so well that we are very desirous of remaining replied master raymond and as we are going together it is only decorous that we should get married if you however refuse to marry us we shall be compelled to take you with us for the mere presence of such a respected minister will be sufficient to shield the maiden's name from all reckless calumniators a second mate came to the door of the cabin captain there is a fine breeze blowing it is a pity not to use it make all ready sir replied the captain then turning to the minister there is no particular hurry master mather you can take the night to think over it to-morrow morning probably if you come to your senses we may be able to send you ashore somewhere between here and the capes of delaware this is outrageous said master mather i will hold both of you accountable for it it is a bad time to threaten when your head is in the lion's mouth master mather returned captain tolly fiercely no one knows but my own men that you ever came on board the storm king how do you know that i am not captain kidd myself the minister's face grew pale it was no disparagement to his manhood even master raymond's face grew very serious for did even he know that this captain tolly might not be the renowned freebooter of whose many acts of daring and violence the wide seas rang i would counsel you for your own good to do at once what you will have to do ultimately said master raymond gravely i owe you no thanks for anything but and the young man laughed as he turned to dulcibel i could never trap even a fox without pitying the animal dulcibel went up to the minister and put her hand upon his arm do i look so much like a witch she said in a playful tone we are told that satan can enrobe himself like an angel of light replied master mather severely i judge you by what i have heard of your cruel deeds 
as you judged the cruel yellow bird that turned out to be only a harmless little chicken said master raymond sarcastically enough of this folly will you marry us now or not if you will you shall be put ashore unharmed if you will not you shall go along with us make up your mind at once or we shall soon be out of boston harbor master mather had a strong will and an equally strong won't but the philistines were for this time too much for him that reference to captain kidd had frightened him badly stand up and i will marry you unscrupulous as you both are it is better that you should be married by legal rights than allowed to go your own way to destruction and then the important ceremony being duly gone through he pronounced master ellis raymond and mistress dulcibel burton man and wife the captain being allowed by master raymond to take the first kiss and acting in the place of the bride's father no not a penny said the minister closing his hand against the golden pieces that the groom held out to him all i ask is that you comply with your promise and put me on shore again as soon as possible better take a drink of wine first said the captain filling up a glass and handing it to him i will neither break bread nor drink wine on this he was going to say a cursed ship but the fierce eyes of the possible freebooter were upon him and said on this unhappy vessel captain tolly laughed heartily oh well good wine never goes begging the anchor is not up yet and we will put you off just when you came on come along without a word of leave taken to the two whom he had joined together master mather followed the captain in fact though master raymond and dulcibel scarcely noted his going for they were now seated on a small sofa the arm of the young husband around the shapely waist of his newly made wife and the minister dismissed from their minds as completely as the wine-glass out of which they had just drank he had answered their purpose and in the deep bliss of their new relation they thought no more about him as master mather turned to descend to the boat again not wasting any formal words of leave taken upon the captain either the latter grasped him by the arm wait one moment said captain tolly you will speak of what has occurred here this evening master mather or not at your pleasure but be careful of what you say for there is no power on this coast strong enough to protect you against my vengeance and with a scowl upon his face that would have done injustice to the dreaded captain kidd himself he added in a hoarse fearful tone the one impressive word beware the minister made no reply it was a day of fierce men and wild deeds especially on the high seas prudence in some positions is far better than valour now me hearties let us get out of this harbour as soon as possible cried the captain i might have held him till we were opposite the castle and put him ashore there but it is safer as it is we have a regular clearance and he cannot do anything legally under an hour or two at least while in half an hour we shall be outside with a stiff breeze like this once on the open seas i fear neither man nor devil chapter fifty three whether master mather did make any serious effort to prevent the storm king from leaving the harbour i am unable to say but as i find no reference to this affair 
either in his biography or his numerous works i am inclined to think that like a wise man he held his peace as to what had occurred and resolved never to go on board another vessel after nightfall certainly no cannonball cut the waves as the storm king sailed swiftly past the castle and no signal was displayed signifying that she must come at once to anchor and the little trip to new york was as pleasant in all respects as a young couple on a bridal tour could desire even if the mere relief from the anxieties and threatened dangers of the previous long months had not been of itself a cause of happiness arrived at new york master philip english and his wife received them with open arms master raymond had brought letters from england to governor fletcher and others and soon made warm friends among the very best people there was no sympathy whatever in new york at that time with the witchcraft persecutions in massachusetts and all fugitives were received as in the case of the englishes with great sympathy and kindness much to my regret at this point the old manuscript book to which i have been so largely indebted suddenly closes its record of the fortunes of master and mistress raymond whether they went to england and took up their residence there among master raymond's friends or found a home in this new world i am therefore not able with absolute certainty to say from what i have been able however to gather from other quarters i have come to the conclusion that they were so much pleased with their reception in new york that master raymond purchased an estate on the east side of the hudson river where he and the charming dulcibel lived and loved to a good old age leaving three sons and three daughters if this couple really were our hero and heroine then the raymonds became connected through the three daughters with the smiths the joneses and the browns in one way perhaps the question might be set at rest were it not too delicate a one for successful handling there is little doubt that among the descendants of mistress dulcibel on the female side the birthmark of the serpent more or less distinct will be found occasionally occurring even now at the lapse of almost two centuries therefore if among the secret traditions of any of the families i have mentioned there be one relative to this curious birthmark doubtless that it would be sufficient proof that in their veins runs the rich blood of the charming dulcibel raymond chapter fifty four perhaps before i conclude i should state that the keeper of the boston bridewell master arnold was summarily dismissed for accepting the validity of the governor's signature but he did not take it very grievously to heart for master raymond captain alden and others whom he had obliged saw him largely recompensed captain alden by the way had fled for concealment to his relatives in duxbury being asked when he appeared there where he came from the old captain said he was fleeing from the devil who was still after him however his relatives managed to keep him safely until all danger was past both from the devil and from his imps as for lady mary the indignation of the faithful was hot against her and finally against sir william who could not be made to see in it anything but a very good joke you know that lady mary will have her own way he said to master mather wives should be kept in due gospel subjection returned the minister 
oh yes rejoiced the governor smiling but i wish you had a wife like lady mary and would try it on her i think we should hear something breaking but when mistress anne putnam and others began to cry out against lady mary as a witch the governor waxed angry in his turn it is time to put a stop to all of this he said indignantly they will denounce me as a witch next so he issued a general pardon and jail delivery alike to the ten persons who were then under sentence of death to those who had escaped from prison and to the one hundred and fifty lying in different jails and the two hundred others who had been denounced for prosecution it was a fair blow delivered at the very front and forehead of the cruel persecution and it did its good work though it lost sir william his position sending him back to england to answer the charges of his enemies and to die there soon afterwards in his forty-fifth year when chief justice stoughton engaged in fresh trials against the reputed witches read the governor's proclamation of pardon he was so indignant that he left his seat on the bench and could not be prevailed upon to return to it neither could he to the day of his death be brought to see that he had done anything else than what was right in the whole matter not so the jury which several years after confessed its great mistake and publicly asked forgiveness nor judge sewell who rose openly in church and confessed his fault and afterward kept one of the days of execution with every returning year sacred to repentance and prayer seeing no person from sunrise to nightfall mourning in the privacy of his own room the sin he had committed mistress anne putnam and her husband both died within the seven years as dulcibel in her moment of spiritual exaltation had predicted her daughter anne lived to make a public confession asking pardon of those whom she had she said unintentionally injured and died at the age of thirty-five her grave being one that nobody wanted their loved ones to lie next to as for the majority of the afflicted circle they fell as the years went on into various evil ways one authority describing them as abandoned to open and shameless vice master philip english after the issue of the governor's pardon returned to salem seventeen years afterwards he was still trying to recover his property from the officials of the province of one thousand five hundred pounds seized he never recovered more than three hundred pounds while his wife died in two years at the age of forty-two in consequence of the treatment to which she had been subjected master joseph putnam and his fair elizabeth lived on in peace at the old place taking into his service the quaker antipas upon his release from prison the latter was always quiet and peaceful save when any allusion was made to the witches but he had easy service and good treatment and was a great favourite with the children especially with that image of his father who afterwards became distinguished as the major general putnam of revolutionary fame as for the presents that had been promised to the afflicted circle they came to them duly and from london too and they were rich gifts also but such a collection of odd and grotesque articles certainly are not often got together 
master raymond had commissioned an eccentric friend of his in london to purchase them and sent them on acquainting him with the peculiar circumstances there were yellow birds and red dragons and other fantastic animals birds and beasts but they came from london and the circle found them just suited to their peculiar tastes and they always maintained even in defiance of mistress anne that master raymond was a lovely gentleman and an afflicted person himself it will thus be seen that these salem maidens were in their day truly aesthetic having that sympathetic fondness for unlovely and repulsive things which is the unerring indication of a daughter of lilf end of chapters fifty one to fifty four and now in conclusion some one may ask did the province of massachusetts ever make any suitable atonement for the great wrongs her court of injustice had committed i answer never massachusetts had never made any adequate atonement no not to this day the general assembly eighteen years afterwards did indeed pass an act reversing the convictions and attainders in all but six of the cases and ordering the distribution of the paltry sum of five hundred and seventy eight pounds among the heirs of twenty four persons as a kind of compensation to the families of those who had suffered but this was all nothing or next to nothing perhaps the day was sometime come when the cry of innocent blood from the rocky platform of which hill shall swell into sufficient volume to be heard across the chasm of two centuries then on some high pedestal where the world can see it massachusetts shall proclaim in enduring marble her penitence and ask a late forgiveness of the twenty innocent men and women whom she so terribly wronged and as all around and even the mariner far out sea shall behold the gleaming shaft standing where stood the rude gallows of two centuries ago they shall say with softening eyes and glowing cheeks it is never too late to right a great wrong and massachusetts now makes all the expiation that is possible to those whom her deluded forefathers dishonoured and persecuted and slew End of Dulcibel by Henry Peterson. Read by Elaine Webb, Bristol, England.